0: to Way Too Seriously, the podcast where we watch kids' movies and then take them way too seriously. I'm Paul Moffat.
1: I'm Jan Moffat. And today we are talking about Babe 2, Pig in the City. Last week we talked about Babe, today it's all about Babe 2. So, Babe, Pig in the City is a 1998 film, written and, sorry, co-written, produced and directed by George Miller. Uh, it has the actors from the first film, uh, James Cromwell, Mary Margulies, Hugo Weaving, Danny Mann, Magda Stubinsky, um, except most of them aren't really in it as much as they were. Uh, there's a different voice actress for Babe, E.G. Daly. Interesting fact, just before we get into the plot, the actress from last time was uh, on Rugrats, and the actress from this time is also on Rugrats. I think the last one was Chucky, this one is Tommy. Yeah, so clearly, they both have that ability to be, babe. So
0: the voice, ba- babe's voice, is a little di- noticeably different in this one, but still yep. in the same ball the same house. register. Yeah. yeah.
1: Um. So ball why house? don't you
0: ballpark wheelhouse?
1: <laughs> <One of those. laughs> why don't you tell us a little bit about what this movie was about, Paul?
0: I will do my best. Babe, two is the story of Babe the now championship-winning sheep-herding pig. When the Hoggett farm gets in financial trouble and Farmer Hoggett is hurt, uh, Esme Hoggett, Mrs. Hoggett, takes Babe away to participate in a show where he's going to be paid for appearing, but they miss their flight and they get stranded in the city for several days. In the city, they stay in a hotel full of animals, high jinks ensue lots of high jinks and then eventually they go back to the farm and bring <laughs> all the animals with them
1: yeah basically that's what happens oh and esme goes to jail esme
0: goes to jail and all that i mean most of the movie plot wise esme brings babe to the city and then disappears from the plot with yeah. reason she doesn't just disappear but like she fades away from the plot and most of the plot is babe has some high jinks in the city with all the animals. Mm-hmm. And then Esme returns and takes Babe back to the city. And when you talked to the country, back to the farm. When you talked at the beginning about most of the actors are back, only Esme and Babe, as characters, go to the city. So And the duck. Oh, oh and the duck, Ferdinand the duck. You're right. So Esme, Ferdinand, and Babe go to the city, and the three of them are. There from the last movie, everyone else that we know from the last movie remains on the farm and we see them for 45 seconds at the beginning of the movie and then never again. Mm -hmm. We see uh, James Cromwell again at the very end. So, and Esme, uh, Magda... Zubinski. Zubinsky's accent is different. Presumably her actual accent is Scottish. She was doing an American accent in the last movie. Yep. And she does her real accent, presumably, in this movie. Probably because she has more lines to do. I guess so. Or maybe whatever. Her American accent was good. Like, yeah. It's not like that's too... Anyway. Uh, so she has a different accent, and there's a different voice actor for Babe. So both of them sound different. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Okay, so like,
1: what was this movie? I don't... Like, it was a surreal... I don't know if it was a surreal masterpiece or a hot mess.
0: (laughs) Well, let's try to figure that out. Let's start by talking objectively about the quality of the movie. And, I mean, we can do as we usually do, highlights, lowlights... This is a difficult movie to talk about in those terms because there's a lot of things that it's hard to tell whether they are highlights or lowlights. So, but let's just start with things that are definitely, in terms of craft, in terms of just making a thing, things that they did well. And I'm going to start with one, which is the city that they are in is this surreal mishmash that has... Eiffel Tower, the Statue of Liberty, the CN Tower, the Golden Gate Bridge, and the Hollywood sign, and probably a bunch of other landmarks that I didn't recognize because, you know, we see the land... Oh, the
1: the opera house from Sydney.
0: The Sydney Opera House. So it's this... It's weird. Insane, surreal uh, mishmash of a city. And whatever else we say about this movie, to my... The starting point for discussing the quality of this movie is just like both in conception and in execution. That's really well done. Mm. It looks really good. It's really imaginative. And it also sets a kind of tone for the movie that uh, a flag for you of what kind of movie you're about to be watching when they show the cityscape. And it is this absolutely surreal city
1: Mm -hmm.
0: because this is an absolutely surreal movie yes so i'm gonna say that is definitely just well done effect
1: yeah and in conception the practical effects are well done in terms of well let's just say it right out george miller who directed this the other movie he's he's famous for directing for is mad max fury road he directed all the mad max movies all the mad max movies Yes. Yeah. Oh, okay
0: most recently, this is the last movie he directed before he directed Fury Road. He did this. He took a break.
1: (laughs) A very long break.
0: And then he did Fury Road.
1: Wow. Okay. So there are... And because he did Fury Road, I was kind of watching for some of the similarities. And surprisingly enough, there are some. Because...
0: Quite a few, really. Quite
1: a few, really. There are some practical effects with people swinging from wires and at one point Esme is in this bizarre rubber suit swinging across a ballroom and then other people are swinging across too. And it really reminded me of like the pole vaulters and people in Fury Road who do that. And the way it's filmed, I don't think it's, you know, it's not CGI. It's not green screen. This is like a practical effect that he's done.
0: With stunt performers. With stunt performers. And if we are talking about if we're still talking highlights that sequence with there's a bunch of moments when they're swinging but the climax of that scene is Esme and two like waiters swinging and the choreography of the acrobatic choreography of they all swing and barely miss each other and then Mm -hmm. come up to the balcony and then swing and barely miss each other and land somewhere else and I have no doubt that that was actually choreographed with stunt performers swinging from a ceiling it looks amazing does uh it's so reminiscent of fury road and it's without question highlight of this movie and of any movie like it's this weird set piece and this movie is full of weird set pieces yes and the that one stands out as a particular Mm. highlight like it's Amazing to watch. He
1: clearly, like, this movie is full of people dangling and animals dangling from things. And that seems to be, like, a theme in the movie and a visual thing he likes to do. The director likes to do a motif. He likes to do Mm -hmm. is people dangling from ropes from various things. And it's, I mean, it's just weird. But, like, it's visually beautiful. Mm -hmm. Like, there's a lot of interesting shots in this like like you were talking about before with the acrobatics and then right afterwards all these balloons float down you get this beautiful aerial shot of these balloons floating down into the middle of a ballroom and it's just it's beautiful It looks like a kaleidoscope yeah and like this is the sequel to babe like what (laughs) is even
0: going on here (laughs) okay we're still supposed to be talking about
1: highlights and the that is a highlight. Yeah, yeah,
0: you're right. I mean, we could make so. Maybe you're already uh, making a point that we should, both, we should both learn from the point you keep driving towards, which is it probably isn't a good idea to talk about this movie in the terms we usually talk about a movie. Because it just is strange and surreal and weird, and it's hard to talk about in the terms. Like, we could say... The voice actors do a good job. Mm-hmm. The puppetry of all the animals is it's good again. Very yeah. good again. Uh I suspect that it's all or mostly puppetry rather than CGI or anything.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, it doesn't look like CGI. And no, in the nineties no, no. it would have. Like I don't think in the nineties yeah. the technology existed to make it not stand out. So mm-hmm. it's all I'm feel pretty comfortable saying it's all practical puppetry and it looks really good Mm -hmm. the design of all the characters and animals is all good i think uh if surreal we'll talk about the chimpanzees in a second because i want to call it good but i also want to call it like let's come back to the chimpanzees and their whole deal Mm -hmm. in terms of visual design as well as in terms of character yeah the plot like when we talk about it being surreal A lot of the plot is just a weird thing happens, a weird thing happens, a zany thing happens, a madcap thing happens, there's pratfalls, there's, um, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I wonder if that's what one of the things you're thinking of when you think specifically of I can't decide whether it's a hot mess or a masterpiece is in terms of plotting.
1: Yes. Lowlights for me were the story because I'm not sure there was much of one. There was a rough plot outline, but then I didn't connect with any of the characters in this at all. I definitely did not like it as much as the first movie because of that. And, and if you want... Yeah, there was a lot of... there's Yeah, there was two... A lot of characters is a low light for me. Too many characters. And the the messy plot.
0: And if you want to talk about it from like a structural perspective of there's a protagonist who has has a conflict with some kind of antagonist and the this movie is an example of uh i feel comfortable again saying deliberately disregarding that structural the rules of structure
1: yeah no it has no structure
0: it has a structure but i taught i was teaching um yesterday And I said in my class teaching 1984, we were talking about a character, and I said, like, the rules of structure, it's important to know, especially as a writer, Uh, they're helpful tools. But as a reader, you should, as a critical reader, you should be aware that sometimes people throw them away on purpose or not on purpose. And they are, like, you know the rules, but you can break them. And breaking the rules does not mean something is badly done. I feel... Very comfortable, because of the way this movie is done, making a claim that the rules are broken on purpose. Yes, absolutely. It's not that George Miller doesn't know how to structure a three-act story. Mm -hmm. It's that he said, let's not do that. Yep. (laughs) So they travel to the city, and while they're in the city, like, who's the protagonist? Who's the antagonist? What is Babe's goal? Is he trying to achieve something? He's trying to save the farm, is kind of the premise of the Mm -hmm. movie. But so much of the movie, he does not... Working towards saving the farm in any way. Yeah. So, did you like this movie? Yes. I'm going to make a case for it as a surreal masterpiece instead of a hot mess. (laughs) I... When it ended, I kind of sat there with my mouth open, uh, (laughs) thinking, like, what did I just watch? Yeah, absolutely. But the more I think it over and I've been thinking it over now for like an hour, not that long. But the more I think it over, the more I think, as long as you don't judge it by standards that it isn't trying to meet, as long as you don't, you know, wonder how good of a romantic comedy it is. I think that this movie is working on all the levels it wants to work really well. Mm -hmm. And I think just if you accept it as a series of set pieces that are, madcap and anarchic and creative and imaginative and beautiful. And like, if you take that as what this is movie is, I think it, uh, I enjoy it a lot. Mm -hmm. And so the first babe is incredibly charming, has so much heart, but it, one of the things that makes it more than just like a funny talking animal movie is it has this uh, surreal sophistication and literary sense. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And it mixes this, it recognizes that a talking animal movie is surreal. And and most talking animal movies kind of pretend like that's a fantasy, but Babe recognizes that that's surreal, Hmm. these animals talk to each other. So the surreal is already in Babe, right? Yeah. And one of the things that makes Babe so uh, successful is it takes that surreal, that anarchy, that t- little bit of a threat that everything's going to go completely off the rails at any moment. And it kind of grounds it with heart and affection. And uh, the main character, Babe, who is so good-natured and innocent and is this kind of steady center mm-hmm. in the middle of the madness. And this movie, I feel like, takes that... And just turns it up to 11. So the madcap mm. of... And there are madcap moments in Babe. Yeah. Several of them. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And the most madcap is when he's sneaking through the house and gets stuck on the ribbon. And there's all the paint right, falls. Yeah. And, like, I feel like the spirit of that moment is what the whole, this whole movie is. That, like, mm. he's the sane pig in a world gone mad. And he's unflappable. But not because of his bravery. But just because he's makes a choice early in the first movie that he's never going to think ill of any animal. Mm -hmm. And then he doesn't through this entire movie. Yeah, that
1: continues in this movie too.
0: So all that to say, yeah, I think I enjoyed it a lot. I would like to watch it 12 more times (laughs) to figure out. How about you? Did you enjoy this movie?
1: (laughs) Um, like you, I'd maybe like to watch it a dozen more times to know that question because I just... Let me be honest here. I fell asleep for a tiny bit of it.
0: (laughs) Long-time listeners of Way Too Seriously will recognize this as a recurring motif (laughs) on our show.
1: We always watch them in the evening, and I'm sleepy. Anyway, sorry. Um, Not sorry. I really love Babe One. And... This movie was no babe one, and so it's hard for me to compare to it's hard for me to like them when I like that other one so much. But like you said, I I it's this like insane surrealist masterpiece, and maybe it's worth watching many more times to kind of see all the nuances of it. And I uh what I really enjoy what I did enjoy about it was the the shots and the beauty and the and the way it made me just go what but what i didn't like about it was i didn't connect to any of these characters and when it comes to watching a movie i like characters that i can connect to i like characters that are characters and there was too many of them and they were too and the ones that were there from the first movie were very different from the first movie and so it felt like this would have worked more for me if it had been a completely different set of characters. If this was just pig in the city, nothing to do with the first movie, yeah. etc. So I would have liked, maybe I would have liked it better if it was that. It's part. It's the sequel problem that's making me not like it as much as, as you like it. But I don't know, I still am interested in it. it.
0: It intrigues me. This movie just, I can't wrap my head around it at all. I feel like uh, I'm going to make a weird comparison, but I feel like Babe 2 is to Babe as Army of Darkness is to Evil Dead. Like, yeah, yeah. They just change the genre. There's the seeds are in the first movie, but they just are doing a completely different thing. Yeah, I really, really see your point. Of it might have been a more, I mean, obviously for you, I don't need to see your point for you to talk about you enjoying it but i can kind of agree that if it was just pig in the city and had nothing to do with babe some of the discomfort or or what's the word i'm looking for disorientation Mm -hmm. some of the disorientation might not have been there and that would have changed my experience of it i think there are two big elements that carry over from the first movie very importantly babe you said none of the characters uh compelled you did babe not compel you in this movie at all
1: a little bit he felt very different
0: <clears throat> Hmm.
1: he felt like a like he wasn't quite the same sweetness and light that he was in the first movie. yeah
0: and maybe that's because we didn't get as much of, certainly we didn't get as much of babe no. in this movie i feel like this movie is really founded on the idea from the first movie of Early in the first movie, if he decided not to think badly of any creature. Mm
1: -hmm, Absolutely.
0: So if we had a brand new pig and it was Pig in the City, that the plot could run on in exactly the same way. But that core that brings the heart into this movie comes from the previous movie, I think.
1: Yeah, you're right. That is right.
0: And just in terms of why I enjoy this movie, I really recognize... This core that's been brought over, despite all the weird changes and all the disorientation and all the surrealism. Mm -hmm. I'm anchored in this core of, like, he has made a choice and a choice to think good of people. And that's what sees him through the whole chaos of the whole movie. Yeah, absolutely. I really like that quite a lot. Things I didn't enjoy in terms of my enjoyment. I think they were bad ideas even objectively coming back to the song i see why they did it trying to reverse and recreate like the sweet moment of the song but uh or maybe to surrealize it but like when he starts singing to the chimpanzee babies and then all the whole house full of animals all join in singing la 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 to the song like that did not work for me no not at all because it's not the melody. I mean, the melody is a beautiful melody, but the melody is not why that moment was touching. Yeah. Um. Without the lyric and without the whole emotional moment. But, like, mm-hmm. I think that moment in Babe 2 could have worked if they had kept the lyric even. Mm-hmm. If somehow they had all known the lyrics, like, I wouldn't have minded.
1: Yeah, and they could have because it, they all, it's surreal.
0: <laughs> yeah. Exactly, because they're just as likely to know the lyrics as to know the tune, Mm -hmm. right? They all just join in on the tune. However, so that didn't work for me and I didn't like it. I can see that it's kind of a statement of what this movie is. Like they take this very simple, frankly, Farmer Hoggett singing to his pig and doing a big dance to his pig is also really surreal. Mm -hmm. So they take this simple surreal moment from one movie and they reproduce it, reverse it, crank up the surreal make it bizarre uh and on enormous scale in the next movie like that's what everything about this movie is often it works for me that was a moment when it didn't and maybe represents to me why this movie might not work for someone else yeah you know what i mean
1: yeah exactly exactly so should we get into the way Way, way too too seriously seriously part of our show
0: I think I already got into some of the seriousness that I wanted to talk about when I was talking a second ago about like the madness and anarchy of the city mm-hmm. with this uh, optimistic and innocent core in it that make, is what allows him to survive through the chaos. Mm. I think that's a thing to take seriously in terms of the theme of the, sh- the movie. Mm-hmm. I think one of the things that this movie does is really examines this, he decided... I mean I keep coming back to it. Maybe it wasn't deliberate, but it seems so deliberate to me. I think this is a movie arises from an attempt to really take seriously this he decided not to think badly of any animals. So we have the chimpanzees that are awful. Yeah. And the a pit it's not actually a pit bull, but they label it a pit bull in the movie. Yeah. It's a, that bull, was terrier. It was a
1: bull Terrier.
0: It's in the nineties people didn't know what a pit bull was. I think so. Uh, That same bull terrier is in the Popeye movie, also called a pit bull. Really? Yeah.
1: Weird. Anyway,
0: uh, the bull terrier, like, is this mad dog aggressive, chases him down the streets. Like, so, two different kinds of horrible animals, Mm -hmm. but Babe won't think badly of any of of them. Mm -hmm. And ends up redeeming all of them through his kind of naive spirit. I think that's the philosophical claim at the heart of the movie is that the, the surrealness and the danger and the disorientation and the madness of the city of life of the, I mean, based on the end of the movie of the 20th century, because the narration at the end of the movie says like, they went back to the farm a little left of the 20th century. So they, uh, The city is like them coming away from farm life into the modern world. And the modern world is surreal and incomprehensible and violent and selfish. And the babe's choice to be kind and optimistic and not think bad of people sees him safely through all of that and is transformative of everyone around him.
1: Mm -hmm. Absolutely. He also possibly kills someone. (laughs) (laughs)
0: When does he kill someone? Okay,
1: so Mickey Rooney is plays the clown, right? Uncle Uncle Fugly, which like, is it? Fugly? I feel like it was Fugly. I mean, <laughs> we'll have to look it up, but I really felt like they were saying Uncle Fugly the whole time, and I'm like, really, really movie? I don't remember, but it could be. Um, which side note, this is not a movie for children. I don't know. It's very weird. He is in this clown show with the uncle and sets it on fire, and the uncle has to go to the hospital. And then the woman, his niece, comes back and says, like, he was on his deathbed, blah, 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 and she's holding his hat. And it, like, it kind of implies that maybe he died in the hospital, which would be entirely Babe's fault.
0: Okay. I'm going to... Accidentally Babe's fault. Yeah. still Babe's fault. I'm going to just uh, nitpick you on he kills someone because someone accidentally dies because of him is not the same thing as he kills someone.
1: Okay, fine. Involuntary manslaughter. Pig slaughter. (laughs) Wait, no, the pig doesn't get slaughtered.
0: (laughs) Like, it's one of two moments, possibly three, definitely two moments in the movie where Babe inadvertently causes... Massive physical harm to a person. Yeah, exactly. And the one is at the beginning of the movie, he, Farmer Hoggett is trying to fix the well and Babe accidentally falls in and in a like Rube Goldberg series of events, Farmer Hoggett gets like his hand broken and a concussion and his, you know. Yeah,
1: he's horribly injured. He's
0: horribly injured for the rest of the movie. He he isn't even in the rest of the movie, but it's Mm -hmm. a catalyst for the movie. And then a very similar kind of one thing leads to another, Bob Rube Goldberg thing is what leads to the clown being horribly injured. Mm Mm-hmm. So what is that?
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: What does that mean?
1: I don't know what it means, but it is definitely a motif in this movie that humans get injured and and the animals cause the chaos that injures the humans. And maybe... No, because Farmer Hoggett didn't mistreat. I was going to say maybe it was his comeuppance for mistreating those monkeys, and maybe he wasn't... He didn't seem very like a very good person.
0: No, he didn't. The uncle. He no. seemed like a
1: pretty horrible person. He did. Oh, he tried to capture Babe right when he first met him.
0: Yeah, he succeeded in capturing yeah. Babe, and Babe is in his uh, performance. Because was he's he- been kidnapped. It is so complicated, and one of the things this movie does is everything is so complicated. Because Uncle Fugly... It's Fugly?
1: It is really Fugly.
0: Alright, Uncle Fugly doesn't seem like a great guy. He comes in, like, seems like drunk and, uh... He's covered in ice cream that looks like cocaine. (laughs) He's covered in ice cream that looks like cocaine, and he steals Babe, and Babe is in his circus performance, though he doesn't belong to him, and his monkey is wandering around the hotel stealing bags from people, and we have to, if we are going to kind of step back from the surrealism and use any realism at all, we have to make Uncle Fugly responsible for the crimes his monkeys commit, Mm -hmm. stealing luggage from people. But then he's a clown. Where is he a clown? In a children's hospital.
1: Oh, is that a children's hospital? Yes. Oh,
0: geez. So, like, that doesn't mean necessarily that he's a good guy, particularly. But it's definitely a writing and directing choice of, like, he's performing. He could be performing anywhere. Yeah. But he's performing in a children's hospital. I think that is a detail that is there exactly to complicate our moral judgment of him as a guy. And the animals, like, he has them, he dresses them up, stupid. The chimpanzees are all dressed like humans, and I can't decide whether that is meant to be, like, haha, isn't it funny? Monkeys in clothes! Or whether it's, like, Uncle Fugly is kind of abusing these animals by, like, gluing a wig on the female one's head, and, like, it's weird, surreal, bizarre, I can't decide quite what to make of it. But they're all very devoted to him. Mm -hmm. So like, and we have enough from this movie to see that the animals in this movie are not blindly devoted to humans who treat them badly. The animals in both of these movies are devoted to humans who treat them well. And they have like that kind of agency.
1: Mm -hmm. Absolutely.
0: So we can use the fact that his primates, one orangutan, three chimpanzees and a monkey. And I said monkeys in clothes referring to the chimpanzee colloquially as a joke I know very well and get in fact really upset by the difference between an ape and a monkey but let's continue his primates are all uh devoted to and affectionate to him I think we have grounds to take that as evidence of his character
1: hmm but the primates are all kind of evil
0: they're kind of awful right but, again, like, the way this movie complicates everyone morally, as well as in all ways, because they're introduced, they stole Babe's bag, then they steal Babe, they lie to him about him being, uh, about getting some kind of reward, they... They're presented like the mafia. Pre- presented like the mafia, they lie to him about, they tell him, you know, in this here in the city everyone needs to look out for number one, They lie to him, put him in danger of the vicious dog so they can steal food. And then they kind of, they start to be working with him. And they start to, Mm -hmm. uh, they say thank you to him for under duress. But like, then they have the baby chimpanzees and they're, I mean, to... Choice of words to describe chimpanzees, but they're humanized in that way. Why do they have the two babies? Because the two babies are vulnerable and make them vulnerable and make them uh seem protective of their babies. They're mm-hmm. young, instead of making them seem predatory and aggressive. And the whole movie centers around like surrounding them with love and support as they're having these babies, and that. There's this shift that happens in how they're Whoa. characterized. And I think that is the same kind of like, who's good and who's bad and why? Well, people are really complicated. Yeah, And Babe refuses to think badly of anyone, even when they've tricked him and lied to him. Like he's still treats them well. And that redeems them hmm. throughout the, in the movie. I mean, we don't see, unlike the, I'm going to just call him a pit bull because the movie does even though it's a bull terrier. Uh, unlike the pit bull, who is directly redeemed by Babe's kindness, the chimpanzees are kind of symbolically redeemed by Babe's kindness. Like, he doesn't do something specifically kind to them that they then feel in his debt for. But the movie transforms them, and the heart of the movie is Babe's naivety and good-heartedness. And so, Babe's good-heartedness transforms them symbolically, you know what I mean?
1: Mm. yeah. It reminds me a little bit of Moana. It does. If you know who you are and you act in good faith with people and recognize the goodness inside of them, they'll recognize the goodness inside of themselves.
0: I mean, it's not infinitely more surreal and infinitely more, like, less uh, careful and profound in how it expresses that than Moana is. Yes. But the core of it, I think, is the same. Like, it's about being a rock in the middle of the chaos. Mm -hmm. And that's what Babe is in this movie. And he spreads this kind of solid kindness and calm and safety and stability throughout, like, to all the animals. Mm -hmm. That isn't his mission. No. That isn't what he's trying to do. But all the surreal madcap set piece pratfalls really emphasize him as this uh, calm and solid center. Mm -hmm. Like there's something
1: profound
0: there. there. It's doing it in such a different register from Mm -hmm. what we might expect, but it's doing it. You were going to say something.
1: No, I was going to say that from the very start of this movie, you mentioned the, the city and how it's, is, has landmarks from, like, cities all over the world. And I think that when you begin a movie like that, so I mean, so close to the beginning of the movie like that, and you show this city that's not real, that is so not real, you're setting the tone for the whole movie that, like, this is not real. this is None of this is really happening. Mm-hmm. None of this could possibly happen. Mm-hmm. So just check your assumptions at the door. Yep. And go with it and go with, like, and laugh when it's hilarious, and enjoy the ride. And I think for the most part, you just, like, kind of sit back and enjoy the ride. But you also, like you said, you have these, you do have this core character who is good, and who is, who believes in in the goodness of others at all times. Mm -hmm. And that's what anchors it. And so, despite what I said at the very beginning, about not liking it because of characters, I think I think maybe talking through this is making me realize that you can enjoy the ride of this movie because of the character of Babe.
0: Yeah, and see, and that's where I would have... And I'm going to say again what I said at the beginning. That's why, to me, I don't think it would work if it was just Pig in the City. Yeah. Because we aren't bringing Babe's character into the movie, and you can call that a flaw of the movie if you want, and maybe mm-hmm. it is. Maybe it is. But... I, I agree that within the, from the opening curtain to the credits, I don't think Babe's character is established strongly enough to be that anchor. It acts as that, but I don't think we earn that. Yeah. But the first movie earns that. The first movie That's what the first that. movie is, yeah. is earning that solid central character that this movie then trades on, uh... And it explores what happens when you take that solid central character and put him in a situation where everything is completely surreal and he has this stabilizing influence. Mm-hmm. And that's where I think, like, it has to be Babe, right? It yeah. has to be that character mm-hmm. from the first movie for that to work. Yeah. Okay, do you have anything else to say? I just, I don't know. Um, I should have maybe talked about this in another section, <laughs> but did you notice the opera there's a lot of opera in this movie.
1: Well, the cats all sing opera together. The
0: cats all sing opera. The house across the street that calls Animal Control. The They're like, honey, you're going to miss the aria. Mm. The background music during the chase scene first... Do you notice how the music often doesn't really match the mood of what you're really seeing? Really
1: not, yeah. And
0: so much so that it must be deliberate. Mm-hmm. And so another element of the surreal, like he doesn't have like scary chase music during the chase. He'll have like calm... Well, there's like a chase going on or there's mm-hmm. pratfalls. And often those are choruses or... Uh, ...instrumental sections from opera. Hmm. So the most memorable one is... ...during the big chase scene... ...when the pit bull is chasing Babe. The music is the anvil chorus... ...from La Traviata... ...and they're playing on anvils. And then when he's drowning... The dog falls off the bridge, and his leash stretches, and he, his head dunks under the water. And I'm sitting there next to my kids, being like, "Are they gonna like show a dog drowning mm-hmm. on my screen of this children's movie?" This is part of what the surrealness of this movie does to me is I never had any idea what was gonna happen.
1: Yeah. Well, the one dog, the, the like the wheelchair dog, gets killed. Like. It felt like got killed by a car and then fi- and then comes back to life. And you're like,
0: okay, good, because I really thought that dog was dead. But <laughs> one of the things maybe that is behind the surrealness is you don't get as emotionally invested in a movie when you see the beats coming. Mm-hmm. And this actually hits all the beats of the animals are all safe and it ends happily ever after. But I don't feel like that's guaranteed. No, definitely not. I feel like they could have just drowned a dog in front of me. Yeah. But anyway, so while was, he's drowning, yeah. the music playing is the humming chorus from Madame Butterfly, which is the, like... Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you, just, you just hummed. I just, I just hummed. Uh, so right next to each other, we have the anvil chorus and the humming chorus. Two, like, very iconic choruses mm-hmm. from two different operas. And, like... I don't know exactly what to make of that, but there's a lot of, I remember in the first Babe, basically all the score was, if I had words to put it made instrumentally, this movie has a lot of music and it's a lot of, like, recognizable opera things. Hmm. What's up with that?
1: (laughs) I do not know. I do not know.
0: That maybe doesn't belong in the too seriously, because I don't even have an interpretive
1: No, I mean, like, we just take a bit to talk about some of the weird things about this movie, and that's one of them. Yeah. There's, like, a few, just, like, weird moments. Like, they're escaping by running across a pipe, and it shows this wide shot of the street, with the animals in the distance crossing the street. And in the foreground is this, like, woman in a beautiful wedding dress running away. And you're like... What does that have to do with anything? It has nothing to do with the movie at all. This woman, woman has nothing to do with it. It's just another layer of, this is not real. This is, check your assumptions at the door. Oh, this
0: is a weird, unreliable, bizarre world. Ooh. Or when the moment we talked about the moment when they're all swinging from the ceiling, there's this big tower of glasses that gets set up.
1: Yeah, it never gets broken. It never
0: gets knocked over. But they also... He also doesn't, like, show it as the punchline of a gag. Hey, look! It's here! Like mm-hmm. the It's set up, and you expect that if it was Home Alone,
1: mm-hmm. you would
0: have set that thing up, and someone would have run into it, and it would have been crashing glasses. If it
1: was every other movie.
0: But there's this big setup, and there's all these pratfalls all around, and this big setup of a pile of wine glasses survives all the pratfalls, mm-hmm. and, and nothing comes of and it. Nothing comes of it. And, like... It's again, just, you do not know what's going to happen in my movie. How dare you assume you know what's going to happen in my movie? (laughs) Exactly,
1: exactly. That's exactly it.
0: And I've seen before, like, I've seen before the joke is the inversion of it, where someone would be like, wow, it sure is good that those glasses didn't get knocked down. Like, that would Mm -hmm. be a joke also. Yeah. But he doesn't do that either. No, he doesn't draw attention to it. He just, like, he draws attention to it, and then it doesn't get knocked over and then we get distracted by balloons falling. Where did those balloons fall from? They were in nets on the ceiling. Oh, okay. Yeah. But like, we get distracted by something else happens. And then we get distracted by something else happens. And yep. it's like a dog chasing its tail in this movie about a bunch of dogs. And Absolutely. other animals. And like, let's list a few other surreal moments. Are there any other that you want to draw attention to?
1: The I want. Dot Ferdinand can't fly properly for some reason. I'm not really sure. So he rides in a pelican's beak.
0: He's just lazy.
1: He's just lazy. Yeah. Okay. But he also like, his flying, like in terms of the puppetry or whatever of it, is very flappy for a duck.
0: It's very flappy and it really draws attention to his puppetness. And Mm. it's especially because he does it in the midst of a flock of pelicans who are flying naturally as birds. So it's like, hey, in case you thought that we didn't know how to make birds that fly like birds, <laughs> here's a bunch of birds flying like birds, and now notice how Ferdinand is not flying like a bird flies. Mm, yeah. That's a weirdness. That's a yeah. surreal moment for sure. Yeah. The orangutan. Throughout. hmm I just, like, one of the elements of the surreal... In general, in film, is drawing attention to something as if it's significant when it's not significant. Right. And we keep getting like the orangutan making these like shifty eyes, like yeah. like the shifty-eyed dog in the episode of The Simpsons. How do you know he's the villain? He's making shifty eyes. But the orangutan never does anything no, villainous. No. Or really anything good. He basically never does anything. You
1: feel like he's maybe not gonna catch the baby. When the baby orangutan falls from the ceiling baby chimp. baby chimp falls from the ceiling You feel like maybe the orangutan isn't going to catch it But of course he does And then it's all happy
0: And that's a moment when he has said like You drooling imbeciles This is an omnivorous mammal
1: of the order Ungulata, An inconsequential species with no other purpose
0: than to be eaten by humans This lowly, handless, deeply unattractive mud lover Is a pig and the pig says, "Hey, catch the baby," And then he does, And mm-hmm. they say, "Thank you." and he says, "Thank the pig." So that's what that is, but it's so underplayed. like all that. Yeah. Is very underplayed. Yeah. We, but very overplayed is like this orangutan looking shifty. Mm-hmm. That's surreal. That's weird. Yeah, very weird. how much attention we get to the orangutan is watching. The orangutan is making shifty eyes. Yep. The orangutan is like, I want him to talk like Christopher Walken.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Like, nothing comes of that. Yeah, goes to the farm and is friends with the farmer's wife.
0: Because she was wearing uh, Uncle Fugly's clothes and he has, this is not text, But I think he has decided that she is, like, a reincarnation of the spirit of Uncle Fugly. Oh, really? Because when she sees him, no, when he sees her dressed in the clothes, he says to one of the chimps, like, it's himself. Really? And the chimp says, no, it's not. And, like, maybe he has poor eyesight and thinks it really is Uncle Fugly. But then when the end, when he, like, has all this affection for the farmer's wife, I think it's that he's, like, decided that she is either in a supernatural way or just in a symbolic way. She is a the uh, new version of himself. She's the new himself. She's the new Uncle Fugly. She yeah. encapsulates what Uncle Fugly used to be for him in some kind of mystical or symbolic way. That is a radical interpretation
1: of the text, but I love it. <laughs> This is where, like,
0: maybe we should watch this movie immediately again. <laughs> I know. I kind of feel like maybe we should. <laughs> Except I don't want to at all. <laughs> I was going to say something. Like, when when it first started and I was making mental notes about the way-too-seriousliness of it, I was going to be like, oh, it's interesting and good. They, like, uh, the farmer's wife was sidelined in the first movie, and now they sideline the farmer and make her be the main... But then, like...
1: Not really. She is
0: sidelined again, as all the humans are. Yeah. So that didn't develop in the way I wanted it to.
1: But she is more of a main character. Like, it is
0: more her story than... It is emotionally her story. Yeah. And the hotel keeper is also a woman. And the two Mm -hmm. of them, like, connect in a...
1: Pair up and ride their weird bouncy bike thing
0: yeah <laughs> the city. and she's the hotel owner is very tall and thin and the esme esme is not that short but is stout and yep. they just visually are a surreal pair because they're both kind of uh caricature caricatures. shapes
1: and and the like the landlady woman has like triangle hair and esme is like very like squat and curly hair and like they are very
0: and then they put her distinct. in a clown pants that yeah. are twice as big to really emphasize that she's a ball yeah. and the caretaker is a stick and yeah. the two of them like stand next to each other mm-hmm. and there's a this very vi- visual effect of the two of them together yeah so i think we've said quite a lot here yeah so you were you wanted to and i Kept going, no, it's fine, it's <laughs> bullheadedly fine. kept talking. Do you want to try again to say,
1: <laughs> "Is it good? Is it seriously good?
0: Is it good?" Yeah. I I went out of it being really bewildered, but I'm now after talking about it for 45 minutes, <laughs> I've gone from being like, "I think maybe it's good," to being like, "It's really good."
1: Yeah, it's it's good. I need yeah. to watch it 12 more times.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm. It's good.
1: And seriously good. Yeah. It is seriously good. I don't think there's a lot, like, there's just a lot to chew on with it.
0: And I think that makes it seriously good. We didn't really say most of the animals are male. Basically, Mm. all the animals are male. That's true. The one female animal is a female chimp who's pregnant and it's bizarre. Yeah, that's true. So, that's something to cast our eyes at in terms of the seriously. Yeah. We'll we'll zip past it right now after in the inappropriate spot. Be like... (laughs) I think you're right, though. the So much there is to chew on.
1: So much there is to chew on.
0: (laughs) That that sentence was surreal, Paul. (laughs) The fact that there's so much philosophically and thematically to mull over just means it can't... It's seriously good because it's too complex morally and philosophically to not be good.
1: So, if you want to talk to us about this movie and, like please tell us if this is your favorite movie or if you like want to chat about babe pig in the city, please do. Uh, you can talk to us on Twitter at wtscast. You can contact us on Facebook or on uh, Reddit. Those links are all in our show notes. You can email us way cast at gmail.com. And if you really like us and want to kick us a surreal amount of money, <laughs> <laughs> patreon.com slash clockworkscast
0: so I've been Paul Moffat
1: I've been Jan Moffat have a real day
0: <laughs> I just have no idea how to tie into this movie in the end because nothing in this movie makes any sense no and neither does this ending
1: no sense whatsoever